uh, process. We don't have the scriptures up, but oh, you will be able to follow me with the scriptures. Psalms chapter number 8. Let's pray. Father, we ask that your glory, your glory will come and descend. We ask, Father God, that your glory will just completely take me over. We pray, Father God, that, we, that this body be saturated with your glory. And God, we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for your presence, God. We, we honor you, Lord God, and we give you glory. Now, Father God, we ask in your son Jesus' name that you move me far from this place. Allow me to be called up in that third heaven, God, that I may hear what the Spirit has to say. And Father, we we bind up every demonic force, every evil spirit, that it has no rights, no authority, and we evict it right now. Satan, you have no part in this service. We thank you for it right now. Bless your word, God, and bless your word, Barry. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. <coughs> Psalms <coughs> chapter number 8, and we're going to be talking about when the glory departs. We're going to talk about when the glory depart. When the glory depart. Psalms chapter number 8. <coughs> and we're going, to, we're going to begin reading version number 3. It says, when I consider, this is the psalmist speaking, David. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers... The moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Hmm. And the son of man that thou visited him. But thou have made him a little lower than the angels. And hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Verse 3. The psalmist is saying that when he looks at the heavens and he sees the works of God and when he sees how the, the moon and the stars has, has been positioned uh, throughout the universe and and how the stars hang in the sockets there, and, and, and how the moon gives its light, and how the, the sun gives its light. It, he's amazed at what he's seeing throughout the universe. But then he, he understands that all these things have been ordained. They have been uh, set by God from the very beginning of the creation. And what really amazed him, he says this in verse number 4, and, and it is amazing when you begin to think about man and mankind. He says, what is man that thou art mindful, huh, and the son of man that thou visited him? What is man? I mean, man is mortal. <laughs> he's weak. He's feeble. Man is, is, is sickly. He's, he's sinful. He rebellious. But God is mindful of man. He said, what is man? When we think about ourselves and when we think about mankind as a whole and we think about all the deficiencies that we have and but yet we see a God that loves us so much. So the psalmist, he asks himself a question, what is man? What is, this, 
mortal man. That, that God, you are so mindful of him. Well, what is it about man that, that God loves so much that he will draw attention to? That he will remember and he will keep record of our every movement. I mean, man, us. That God will keep record of, of our movement and, and, and the fact that the way that we go, as Job said, he knows the way that I take. But what is man? Think about it. Who are we that we have a God that will take note of everything that we do? That's amazing. And even to the point he talks about how the, uh, God not only is mindful of man, but how he visits man. In other words, how he's mindful of our affairs. How he oversees the workings of the things that we do. He said, what is more to man? Man, it's amazing that God will just take note, take the time to see about his children. Hmm. What is man now? Then he goes on in verse number five. He says, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Hmm. That word angels there means Elohim. In other words, God has made us a little lower than himself. That's powerful. That's powerful. And then it goes on to say that not only has he made us a little lower than himself, but he also has crowned us with glory and honor. Man, he has crowned us. He has, he has encircled us with his protection. When you think about a crown, the crown is encircled, and everything that's within that crown is protected. So what God has done, he has crowned us, mankind, with glory and honor. Hmm. And you know, the glory is nothing except the, the resemblance and the likeness of God. So he has crowned us with his glory. And, and we're going to get to that glory because we want to talk about when the glory of God departs. Look at verse number 6. It says, Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Hmm. Isn't it amazing that God of the universe, everything that he has made, he would put it under the care of man. Let's look at Psalms 115. Show you how much God loves us and what God has done in regards to mankind. Psalms chapter 115. Amen. Are we there? We want to look at verse number 16. Show you how much God loves man. Verse 16 in, in Psalms 115 says, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the what? But the earth hath he given to where? To the children of men. God has given earth to mankind. The works of his hands, God has given dominion to mankind. That's how much he loves mortal man. A man, a man that is, is feeble, sickly, sinful, uh, um, deprived, have all kind of hang-ups and deficiencies, God has placed, and that's amazing. Now you think about it. Would we do the same thing if it was in our care? 
Will we take somebody that, that you knew that had deficiencies, that was sickly, that was feeble, and everything that you created, everything that was in your power, you allowed them to have dominion over it? What is man? That God is so mindful of him. He, he's given us the earth, y'all. He has given us the earth. He's given us dominion. We have dominion over everything that God has created here upon the earth. But there's some things we've got to look at when we're talking about his glory. When we're speaking about that glory, his likeness, the reflection of who he is, we want to deal now with the glory. Because there's something that has happened in the body of Christ when it comes down to the glory. When it comes down to the glory of God, there are some situations and circumstances that has truly happened in the body of Christ. You know, you really can't really feel God's presence in the body of Christ as it ought to. Let's, let's look at some scriptures. Let's go to 1 Samuel's chapter number 4. And we're going to be dealing with the glory. Amen. 1 Samuel's chapter number 4. Hmm. We're going to deal with priesthood here, Eli and his sons. And 1 Samuel chapter number 4, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 17. Prior to this, um, there's a situation that's going on wherein the priest of the house had allowed his sons to, to do some things that was contrary to the will of God. They had went into the temple and they were began to become involved with the women, and, and uh, they began to take the things of God for themselves. But, but Eli, who, and that, that name Eli means ascension. You would think that the priesthood would be at a place of ascending or on a higher level. But what happened was Eli would not correct his own sons when he knew what was going on within the house. And that's one of the situations that's in the body of Christ today that we do not correct in the body of Christ when we see things that are going on that needs to be corrected. So God put it here in the book. Now let's see exactly what's going on and what happens when we do not correct what needs to be corrected in the body of Christ or in our own personal lives because not only is it individually not only does it pertain to the body of Christ or in fellowship but God wants us to know what will happen when we do not do it his way now first Samuel's chapter number four we're going to begin reading at verse number 17 verse 17 says and the messenger answered and said Israel is fled before the Philistines and there hath been also a great slaughter among the people, and thy two sons also, Hophni and uh, Phoenix, are dead, and the ark of God is taken. Now, the, the word Hophni means to cover. Phoenix, in, in, the, in the Hebrew, it means uh, the face or the trust or the protection of God. So whenever there's some things going on that, that's not of God, it covers the face of God. That's why we have to be very careful within our own personal lives because it can cover the things that we do, can cover the face of God. It can cover the, the trust of God. It can cover the protection of God. So here, the face and the trust have been covered. And then the Bible goes on to say, talks about 
that as he understands that his sons are dead, then they talk about the ark of God is taken. Now, the ark is, is symbolic of the presence of God. Now, watch what happens when the presence of God begins to leave the house or leave us as individuals. Look at verse number 19. Verse 19 says, And his daughter-in-law, Phoenix's wife, was with child. She was pregnant. Near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken and that her father-in-law and her husband was dead, she bowed herself into a veil for her pain came upon her. See, she hears the same thing that, that her father-in-law hears. He hears that when it's made mention that the ark of God is taken or when the presence of God is no longer there, he falls backwards out of the seat and he dies. She goes into a premature childbirth. And what happens when, when she goes into premature childbirth, when we look at verse number 21, it says, And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken. Hmm. And because of her father-in-law and her husband. Now, when she hears, she hears that the presence is gone, just like she, her, her father-in-law hears that the presence of God is gone, she dies. And was released, she names her child. It's, it's interesting that she would name her child, the glory of the Lord has departed. See, there's something about the glory of God. When we're dealing with the glory of God, when the presence of God no longer exists in our lives or no longer exists in the body of Christ within our fellowship, what happens, the glory goes. When the presence of God goes, the glory goes. That's why we have to be very careful the things that we do and the things that we say. Because it will cause the glory to depart from us. And nobody wants the glory to leave us. Nobody wants the presence of God to leave us. But let's go somewhere else very interesting to show us about this glory. Because we want to talk about the glory. Now the glory is the likeness and the, and the image of God. It's a reflection of who he is. When we do not reflect who he is within our lives, if our lifestyle does not present that, it will cause his presence to leave us. It will cause the glory to leave. Now, let's go to the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 8. Ezekiel, chapter number 8. Talking about when the glory departs. When the glory departs. When the glory departs. Ezekiel, chapter number 8. Hmm. Show you some things in the scriptures. Ezekiel, chapter number 8. Are we there? Are we there? Verse number 1 says, And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I sat in mine house, talking about Ezekiel, and the elders of Judah, means the elders of praise, sat before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell upon me. Verse number 3 says, And he put forth the form of his hand, or he releases his power. And he took me by the lock of mine head, and the Spirit lift me up between the earth and the heaven. In other words, where Ezekiel found himself, he found himself between the terrestrial and the celestial, which means he found himself 
earthly as well as heavenly, but he was in an in-between spot. He, 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 was, he was suspended there. He was, but God had him where he wanted for him to hear. He could not be earthly. He could not be like the first Adam. But he had not yet reached the place of the second Adam, who is Jesus Christ. But God wanted to get his attention. So he says he put him in a, a, a place of suspension. He gave him a, what Paul says, an out-of-body experience. Hmm. Watch what he shows him in this out-of-body experience. He says he brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the inner gate that looketh toward the north, where were the what? The seat of the image of jealousy, which provoketh to jealousy. Now there's a lot right there in that verse. There's a lot here. He says, he shows, he shows him a vision. He brought him to the vision of God. Then he says, to the door of the inner gate. Now, the inner gate is where the priest entered in through the court. This is the place where the priest came in to the temple. But then it goes on to say that, that they were looking toward the north for the seat of the image of jealousy. I want to deal with this word north here so we can fully understand what's really happening here. Why are they looking toward the north? Why is it they're talking about the seat of jealousy, the image of jealousy. In the God says in the priesthood, and, I, and when the Holy Spirit began to minister to me, there was a time when I got so far, I said, God, I don't want to hear no more. To God, I, I don't want to hear no more. Because at this point, the priesthood, that very court where the priesthood was, God's saying there is too much jealousy that's going on in the priesthood. There's too much jealousy going on amongst pastors. There's too much jealousy going on in the leadership. He says, too much jealousy. He says, there's a seat of jealousy, the image of jealousy. And I said, God, they're looking toward the north. What are you saying, God? Let's go to Isaiah chapter number 14. Hold your place there in Ezekiel because we're coming back there. Let's go to Isaiah chapter number 14. Hmm. Over there, Isaiah chapter number 14. We're talking about when the glory departs. When the glory departs. They're looking toward the north. Where the seat of the image of jealousy is. They're looking toward the north. But what is it about the north that has a significance that God wants us to know? Isaiah chapter number 14. Are we there? Isaiah chapter 14 verse number 12 says, How art thou fallen from heaven? A very familiar scripture. How art thou fallen from heaven? O Lucifer, son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground when thou wickened the nations? See, Satan wickens the nations. And then verse 13 says, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mouth of the congregation in the sides of the where? Sides of the north. North represents the dark side. So what, what they're looking toward, and when it talks about towards the north, they're looking at where Satan is. 
Satan has placed himself, positioned himself. He began to talk about how he was going to send himself above the stars of God. But he was going to have his seat in the north. And the north represents our dark side. It's the dark side. So when you go back to Ezekiel uh, chapter number 8, what they're looking, looking toward the north, and they see that seat of the image of jealousy, what they're seeing is the dark side that's within them. The dark side. And whenever we got a dark side, the glory will depart. Hmm. Watch what happens here. Watch what happens. We're talking about when the glory departs. First thing, the priests, the preachers, pastors, those in leadership, operating in the spirit of jealousy. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Who's got the biggest church? Who's got the most members? And my church is better than your church. Well, it's none of ours church. Because, see, every individual is the church. So all we're doing, we're operating in what God wants us to operate in. It's not about brick and mortar. It's about your souls. It's not important who has the biggest sanctuary or how much money we put in the sanctuary. And then we, oh, I hear your Holy Spirit. Then we pimp the people. We pimp the people for money to make sure we can pay the notes on a three million dollar building. God said that's a problem with that. That's a problem with the, with the preachers. That's a problem with the pastors. That's a problem because they're not feeding the souls of God's people. It's all about the name. Whenever you can hear your pastor's name above the name of Jesus, there's a problem. Because when they begin to exalt man rather than exalt God, the God is a jealous God. And whenever you're in a situation and you're in a church, all you can hear is the pastor's name. I'm like, my God, where is Jesus? Where, where is God? He didn't, I mean, the man didn't die for anybody. The pastor didn't die for anybody. The pastor didn't give up his life for anybody. It was Jesus Christ. So why is it? That we will lift up a man's name far greater than the name of Jesus. And in our today's society, we hear the man's name or the woman's name more than we hear God. God's I got a problem. And God is a jealous God. Priesthood. That's I got to deal with it. What of course well, let me show you what else is happening here in the north. Because they're they're looking for the kingdom, I hear your Holy Spirit. They're trying to set up their own throne, their own kingdom. No, there's only one kingdom. It's the kingdom that Jesus Christ himself set up. Man cannot set up a kingdom. It's already been done. Look at verse 4, talking about this, this image of jealousy here. This image of jealousy. Verse 4 says, And behold, the glory of the God of Israel... What's that? Now, that, that got me. That got me. Even though there was a seed of jealousy there, it also said his glory was there too. So God says, he said, what's happening is that seed of jealousy and those things that's not of God and Satan, they're running parallel with the glory. They're running parallel. Whenever there's evil, you're going to expect to find good. Where if there's good, you're going to expect to find evil because they're running parallel. And see, the whole purpose is to trip you and I up. 
But we got to understand some things now. We want to make sure that the glory remains. We want to make sure that the presence of God always remains in our life. Always remains. Because if we're not careful, the glory, the presence of God will depart from the sanctuary. And you know the sad part? The sad part is sometimes we don't even know it's gone. We'll come in and we'll jump and shout. And, and you know, Holy Spirit, I hear you. We have God on a timetable. He got to show up when we show up. And, and, and when we finish, we, we feel like, okay, God, you're done. What happens if God just said, wait a minute, be still. Wait till you hear me. Wait till I speak. Wait till I, the movement of God begins to move. What happens? Can we be still long enough to allow the Lord to do what he wants to do in our life? Because sometimes we're so often in a hurry because we're, we're here at a certain time and we leave at a certain time. And what happens if God don't show up at 12 o'clock? It's just like the, the, um, the time frame between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It was over 400 some years and there was not a word being spoken. I'm like, God, what was they saying to the people if God wasn't speaking? Between the Old Testament and the New Testament. When he wasn't speaking, what was the prophet saying if God wasn't speaking? Whose word were they speaking? So it's the same thing when it comes to us today. We've got to make sure that whatever we, whatever we do, that we've got to usher in the presence of God. And you know what? We don't just usher him in when we get here on Sunday morning. That thing happens all week long. You've got to get in the presence of God all week long. You've got to be still. You, you've got to hear what God is saying all week long. So that when you enter into the doors, when you enter into the courts with thanksgiving and praise, God will show up. But what happens when the glory is departed? Watch this. Jealousy. 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 I'm sure nobody's operating in the spirit of jealousy in the house. I'm sure. I'm sure. Because watch what happens. Whatever. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I hear you. Whatever happens at the top. Leadership. Whatever happens here don't happen in the body. Let me show you. He said, now watch and see. Let's see. Let's look at verse number five. Because we're talking about the glory was still there. Now verse five says, Then said he unto me, Son of man, lift up thine eyes now the way towards the north. He still got him looking toward the north. He said, so I lifted up mine eyes the way toward the north, and behold... North was at the gate of the altar, this image of jealousy in the entry. It's moving. He's looking towards the north, and he's amazed what he sees. Now, where is the spirit of jealousy now? It says it's at the gate of the altar. The altar is a place of exchange. The altar is where we, we, we give our mourning for joy. I mean, uh, the, the altar is, is a place where we put on the garment of praise for the garment of heaviness. But that spirit of jealousy is there at the altar. And you know what? When it talks about the altar, who shows up at the altar? Who comes to the altar? 
the people. You see, in the beginning, it was with the priesthood. Now, it has moved to the entry. Look at that now. It has moved now to the entry of the door where the people come in to give praise to God. Well, what is it about this entry? What is it about this place of exchange that is so important that Satan wants to make sure you do not give up those things that's not of you or not of God to make an exchange at the altar? He does not want us to exchange our heaviness. He, uh, if, uh, he does not want us to, to put on that garment of praise. No matter what we're going through, he does not. So what he does, he tries to stop us. Before we even get to the place where we can exchange anything with God. Before we can, we can get there. So let's look at, um, hold your place in Ezekiel chapter 8. But let's look at Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter number 9. We're going to deal with this interest rate. Why, he, why he's there. Hmm. We're going to deal with that. Why he's right there at the interest rate. Right at the door so he can make sure we do not exalt the name of our Jesus. That we do not exalt the name of God. We don't bring, um, bring forth that place where we want to exchange some things. You know, I'm mourning for joy. You know, when you, when you get that joy. So he, he does not want us to get to that place. So what he does is he brings forth that spirit of jealousy. It's the same jealousy that the priest had in the very beginning. Now, look at Proverbs chapter number 9. We're going to begin reading at verse number 14. Proverbs chapter number 9, looking at verse number 14. It says, For she sitteth at the door, hmm, of her house on a seat in the high places of the city. Watch 15. To call passengers who go right on their ways. You see, that spirit is sitting there and it's calling, it's beckoning for those that's coming into the house of God. So what it wants to do, it wants to stop you before you can get in the house. It wants to bring chaos and, and, and confusion before you even show up in the house because God knows you want to get rid of some stuff. So he's right at calling the passengers. Now, look at verse number 16. It says, Whoso is simple, watch this. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. And as for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him. Now, you know what he said? Those who are simple. Not those who are wise, but those that are simple. Come on, come this way. I got something for you. I, I want to show you something. Watch what it says in verse number 17. <laughs> God, you're awesome. It, it says in the latter part of 16, him that wanteth understanding. You know, he, he doesn't have the understanding. That's why he's turning the wrong way. Verse 17 says, stolen waters are sweet. You hear what that spirit says? Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Mmm. Stolen waters. In other words, you didn't come by legally. But it's sweet. <laughs> but it's sweet. 
And then and it goes on it goes on said the bread eaten in secret is pleasant. In other words, if you eat so that that bread that you do in secret, that thing that you do in secret is pleasant. You know, sin is always pleasant. And for somebody to say sin is not good, it's not enticing, don't feel good, they're telling a lie. Because according to the word, it, it says it's it's pleasant. It makes your flesh feel good. But watch what the word says in verse number 18. But he knoweth that the dead, oh my God, he knoweth that the dead are there. So, so the places that you're going to, they're calling you to, the, the, the calling the passengers to come to, it's a place where there's nothing going on. It said the dead is there. Of course. There's no life there. Oh, I hear you, Holy Spirit. There's no life there. And then it goes on to say, and that her guest huh, calls the passenger a guest. That means you didn't stay long. That the, her guests are in the where? Depths of hell. Y'all still want that stolen water? Mm. It says that, that, that you're just a guest there. And it's in the depths of hell. In other words, where you found yourself, that's not where you want to be. What about hell? Let's go back talking about when the glory departs. Go back to Ezekiel. And let's travel a little bit more. Remember now, the people, the people now has seen the exact same thing. There's this image of jealousy. Hmm. In the interest way. Jealousy. Jealousy. I don't know who's operating in jealousy in the house. And those that's watching the broadcast, somebody's operating that spirit of jealousy. I hear your Holy Spirit. Look at verse number six. It says, He saith furthermore unto me. Now God is speaking. Son of man, seest thou, watch this, what they do. Even what kind of abomination? The great abominations that the house of Israel committed here. That I should go far off from my sanctuary. God said, you know what? With all the abominations going, God said, I need I should I should take flight. I need to leave the sanctuary. Because of all the uh, uh, abomination, those those things that displeases God. He said, I shouldn't even be in the sanctuary. But watch how God, what God says. He said, but turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. God. When the glory departs. Look at verse number seven. God is taking him on a journey. God is taking us on a journey this morning. Verse seven says, and he brought me to the door of the court. Now, the court is supposed to be where we come in and we give praises to God. He says, enter into my gates with thanksgiving and to my, into my courts with praise. Now, watch what happens here at the court. Verse number 7. And he brought me to the door of the court. And when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. What are you saying, God? A hole in the wall. What are you saying, God? God says, 
hollow praise. See, that, that, that hole, a hole is hollow. And see, when you enter the courts with, 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 with thanksgiving and to the courts with praise, God said what's happening now in the body of Christ is hollow praise. Hollow praise. In other words, not a genuine praise. Hey, Holy Spirit. Huh. Hole in the wall. But watch what's happening even from. Look at verse number 8. It says, Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. And he said unto me, Go in and behold the wicked abominations that they do keep. Now, here's when it's really going to get kind of messy. Hmm. It tells him. I want you to dig a little bit deeper. Go deeper. I'm going to show you something else. I'll show you something else. Hmm. See, I'm going to show you what they do here. Look at verse number 10. It says, So I went in, I'm on Ezekiel, God is showing him. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping things and of abominable beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall around about five. What, what did they see? What did they see? Who, who, who was there on the wall? He said, ways of the world. Ways of the world. Anything, anything that, that is between us and God, whatever we've made an idol, and it takes more president over our relationship with God. God said, that's an idol. That's an idol. So all those things that, that, that are idols, that, that, that we use, it can be wife, it can be husband, it can be material things, I mean, it can be our children. Those things, God said, those things, the ways of the world. When we begin to put anything before him, God said, that's an idol. But he said, dig a little deeper. That means... Anytime you got to dig for something, that means something must be here. Go a little deeper, he says. He sees these creeping things, these beasts. Look at verse number 11. It says, And there stood before them, watch this, and there stood before them 70 men of the ancients of the house of Israel, and in the midst of them stood Josiah, the son of Shaphan, with every man his censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up. Now, what, what are you showing him? Who are those said? He said the preachers. And hiding. That's why he had to dig a little deeper. Because he says, what's portrayed in public it's not what's really going on in private. Strong word, right? <laughs> this is what the Lord is saying. This is why the glory is gone. This is why his presence departs from the house. This is why his glory departs from one another, from us. He says, he looks at this and he says, there's this one named Zephaniah that's, Zephaniah that's in the midst of it. Now, 
that name in the Hebrew means he who hears. So in other words, there's somebody in the midst of those that God is checking out that got that secret, oh my Holy Spirit, I hear you. That secret lifestyle, he is saying there's somebody in the midst of it that has heard God or hears God. But now they have gotten caught up with the sins of those other 70. Because he's a seven that represents the priesthood. Stolen word is sweet. You're not, not what the word says. <laughs> Stolen word is, is sweet. So there's one that hears, one that knows better, is right in the midst of those that have that private life. It's not the same thing they present publicly. Here they're talking about the priesthood. They're talking about pastors. I'm a pastor. They're talking about, it's here they're talking about pastors. And God is about, to, oh, I hear you, Holy Spirit. God is about to uncover some things. He's about to uncover some things. Come on, secret lives. Secret lives. Secret lives. That's why they had to dig a little deeper behind the wall. You see, when there's a wall, you can't see out unless you got a window. It's hidden. So they were, they were, they were hidden. Hmm. Now look at verse number four. It says, then said unto me, he says, son of man, have thou not seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do where? <laughs> do you not see? Come on, the ancients. The ancients of Israel. I mean, those that are matured in the faith. We're not talking about babes in Christ anymore. These are matured believers. That God is going, he's saying right here. The, the verse is saying right here. He says, what the angels of the house of Israel do in the dark. Every man in the chamber of his imagination. In other words, his imagination. His private quarters. There's a secret life going on in the private quarters of the clergymen. I'm talking to those that are out there in the world too. God says there, there's some things going on in, the, in, in, in private. And, and, and the chambers. That's I'm about to pull the cover off. And said so they do it in the dark. In other words, so they can't be seen. Their public life and their private life is totally different. So there were 70 of them. And see, that certainly represents the Sanhedrin court. So that represents the priesthood. Has everything to do with the leadership. I'm only preaching what God said preach. Only exposing what God said expose. Hmm. Look what they say. For they say the Lord seeth us not. The Lord has forsaken the earth. In other words, they're going to do whatever they want to do in their own imagination. They said, God didn't forsook them. 
So, in their private life, they'll continue to see him. <laughs> Watch what happens here. Verse number 13. He says also unto me, Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see what? All this was happening in the body of Christ. All this was happening in, in the church house, y'all. All of this is a, that was being revealed. It's the same thing now as it was then. It has not changed. Why do you not think everything is going crazy out there in the world? When you can't tell uh, uh, the body of Christ from the world. When everything is okay. You can live any kind of way you want to and still think you can go to heaven. No, the devil is a stinking lie. It doesn't work that way. Holiness is still the order of the day when it comes down to God. Boy, this is tight and I can feel it. But you know what? Either I preach what God say or I will find myself up in hell for not speaking truth. I've got to speak truth. I have to speak truth. Hmm. Look at verse 14. How about when the, the glory has to come? Then he brought me to the door, the gate of the Lord. Oh, my God. Where did he bring him this time? Then he brought me. Looking at verse number 14. Then he brought me to the door, the gate of whose house? The Lord's house. Which was toward the where? The north. That's where Satan got his seat set. In the north. He brought me to the door, the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, and this is when I told God, don't show me no more. He said, there sat women weeping for two months. When I got here, after God had showed me all of that, and he showed me greater and greater, I mean, degrees of abomination, things that displeased God among the body of Christ. Then when I got right there, when he says about the women that were weeping, they were weeping for their idol, for their idol. So what is, what is your idol today? What is my idol today? What is that thing that's making you, oh, I hear your Holy Spirit. What is that thing that's making you weep and is not God? And I said to God, I said, God, I don't, want, I don't want to see no more. And you know what I did when I told God I don't want to see no more? I closed the book. Because it was too painful. Holy Spirit. It was too painful. What I saw. And what God was revealing about the body. It was too painful. So God, I don't want to see no more. Don't show me no more. The body is in disarray. The body of Christ. Is in disarray from the top all the way to the bottom. It's in disarray. There's a spirit among the body of Christ ought not to be there. And that spirit began to talk about that that seed of jealousy. The word of God says jealousy is as cruel as the grave. And it will cause 
the glory to the park. It's a sad time to show up, to be in fellowship, and the presence of God is not there. Sin causes the glory to the park. The eyes was toward the north, but Satan had his seat. It was pastor. You don't just get the word that I say, but you also get the spirit that comes behind the word that I say. So it's important as the body. We need to prepare ourselves because he's soon to come. We need to prepare ourselves when the glory has departed. We know. We know when. God is not operating in us as he has been in the past. We know. We know. It's not like the body of Christ does not know. It's not like that. We know. We know when the spirit is not operating as it ought to. We know that. Somebody said, wow, this is rough. You know what? I'd much rather get it right here. I'd much rather get it right, right here. Because see, it's his glory. We are crowned with his glory. We are to be a reflection of who he is. He said he crowned us with glory and honor. But what happens when the glory is gone? Where are we? Where is the body? Where is the body of Christ? Where is the body? We're done. We're done. We're done. When the glory departs. When it departs. God's a loving God. His word says it's not in his will that any should perish, but all come to repentance. It's a personal journey, y'all. It's a personal journey. Everybody has to walk this journey by themselves. And we have the Holy Spirit that, will, <laughs> that helps us. We have him. We got to keep him. We got to help him. He is the Holy Spirit. Y'all, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Oh, thank you. Oh. When, when, it's, when the burden of God gets heavy on me, you may see me shed a few tears. That's because it's the burden. I, I feel what God feels. I'm feeling what he's feeling. I'd much rather we all go from this place and think about what God, what do I need to do in my life to make a difference. Then having us come in, jump, shout, hoop and holler and scream, and go back out the same way. And our lives not change. So if we can, if there's some piercing, the Holy Spirit has done some piercing, then he's done his job. He's done his job. I'm just the messenger. I'm just the messenger. Amen.
Amen. I would like to say too that I ask that somebody uh, make sure they go through and divide them out and make sure you those that you like to have some have them. I also want to ask how many people won't see these or do we want to throw them in the trash? <laughs> because you know what? You need to, let me tell you the reason why you need to see these. Because you're going to see this very word come to pass. Mm-hmm. You're going to see it come to pass. Because it talks about 79. That Sanhedrin court that represents the priesthood. Talking about them pastors. Leaders. You're going to see it unfold. So don't be surprised now what you see. Just know that we've heard it. Amen. Now once again, let's raise your hand so I can get that count. Six. Make it seven. I want to make sure that I, I send one to Miss Loretta. She asked that she would get a CD every, every week. We want to make sure we send that to her. Amen. God is good. Y'all still love me. <laughs> Paul says, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? That's what the words say. You know, when we tell people the truth, you know, we become their enemy. Huh. Not realizing that, that that word is meant to, 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 to put us back in line. Amen. Amen. I've always told y'all, you see me out of line, you need to correct me. Tell me. Okay. But please, ma'am, and please, sir, let's not let the, the glory depart, that which God has placed upon our lives. Amen. We've been crowned with it. Amen. We're going to stand. I would like to say, too, that the praise team next week is going to, I can't remember the name of the church. It's a Methodist church. I will say that. It's a pastor friend of Dr. Manley said that um, they're having a... a a Thanksgiving uh, celebration or fest, uh, which is 2 o'clock uh, on first Sunday in the evening. And they asked the praise team to come and render music for them. I don't know who the speaker is. He told me, but I didn't, I didn't recognize the name. Uh, we have to be there at 2. So those that would like to go besides the praise team, uh, please let us know. Uh, they're going to feed after, after the services. So we would like to go in and uh, help break down some barriers. Amen. You never know what God going to see. So we just have to be obedient. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you. Children, let's behave. We're about to get into a place of prayer. And we're going before God. And we're going to dismiss. And we want to make sure we cover it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, for your word today. We ask, Holy Master, that never, Lord God, allow your glory to depart from us, God. We pray, Father God, because you have crowned us with honor and glory. And God, we thank you for that honor and glory, God. And we ask, Holy Father, that you will help us to be a reflection of, of you. That everywhere we go, God, the people will see you within us. God, we pray now for your people. We pray, Lord God. As we depart from this place, God, we pray that your word will continue to be with us. 
We pray, Father God, that as time is drawing near, the Lord, that we will place our minds on you, God, and set our affection on those things above and not on the things here on the earth. But, Father God, we know that you're soon to return. For God, we see the signs. It's the time. So, God, help us to prepare ourselves. Help us, Lord God, that when that time comes and we're going through that great tribulation, God, we'll be able to stand because we're rooted and grounded within you. We thank you for that, God. We pray, Father God, for the, the absent part of the body, God. We ask, Lord God, that you just speak to their hearts, Father. We pray, Lord God, for Dr. Manley, Lord God. As we ask, Father God, that you continue to hold him in the hollow of your hands and continue to keep him, Lord God. We pray, Father God, that you continue to, to order his footsteps, Lord God. We pray, Father God, that you just give him the rest that he needs, Father God. And Lord God, when you plant his feet on solid ground, God, he will begin to run like he's never run before. And God, we thank you for it right now. And God, we pray as we leave from this place, as we depart from one another, we dispatch the angels, Lord God, along the road, that God, that there will be no hurt, harm, or danger that will befall us, God. And we will make it to our destination home safely. And God, we thank you for it. And we pray. Remember, everybody pray. Remember the house of destiny. Remember all of us, God. Remember us, God. Keep your hands of protection upon us. This we ask in the Son of Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen.